recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Valerie. That was um, wonderful. Well, I have the privilege and the scary task of uh, just uh, communicating uh, from the Bible this morning. Um, I must say, I, I shouldn't really, I shouldn't be as nervous as I usually am because I prepared this talk in June last year. I had the opportunity to, to speak this talk with a, a group of wonderful women. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know why, but I feel like maybe um, we should all be a little bit nervous today <laughs> because um, I think God wants to speak to us in a very profound and, and deep way, not because of anything I have to say, but because... Uh, it's really a sense of his presence in this place and a sense of his spirit. And I feel like he has been um, preparing our hearts all morning from the words we've sung, from how people have been praying for this meeting. Um, and perhaps even you can feel it and sense it in your heart this morning. And if you're joining us online, uh, we miss you. We wish you could be here in the room with us, but we're so glad that you are joining us online. And the things that I share for the people in the room are the same for you. And, and I really pray that you sense the power and the presence of Holy Spirit with you, right next to you, wherever you are. And uh, I really pray that Holy Spirit will take these words. And what I'm most excited about is that there's a lot of scripture so you can either write the references down and read them later um, or you can follow on. But I really sense that as we read God's word, um, he will do what he wants to do. Um, so, yeah, Father, I just pray. Holy Spirit, will you recenter? my scattered thoughts and perhaps our scattered thoughts and our senses and bring us back into your presence. And as we look at your word, we pray that you will open our ears to hear your word and that our hearts will be willing to yield to your will this morning. Help us, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the word that uh, uh, I'm looking at today and the fruit of the Holy Spirit or, or the attitude really that I'm looking at today is hope. Um, and we've already sung about it in every song this morning, which is wonderful. But if you were to define the word hope, it's to trust in, to wait for, to look for or desire something or someone, to expect something 
beneficial in the future. None of us, well, most of us, don't expect terrible things. Um, personally, I tend to expect the worst so that I'm surprised by something better. That's just how I think of things. And I know there's a few of us here in the room that think that way. And we like to call ourselves realists. But most people, most people actually just look forward to life and every day and every situation and circumstance as though it's all going to work out. And that's really what hope is about. And hope looks forward. Um, We don't often look back at something that's happened and goes, oh, I hope that happens well. Um, No, we're usually looking forward to something and we're hopeful about something. Um, And one of the interesting things that I realized when I was preparing this talk was that there is a very close connection between faith and hope and trust which I didn't realize before, but it's very, very closely connected. Um, And this is because our hope in someone or in an outcome is based on our trust in that person who is in control of the outcome. Um, And it leads to a faith that that outcome will come to be. (laughs) Sounds like how much wood would a woodchuck chuck? Yeah. If a woodchuck could chuck wood. So, let me illustrate. For example, we, um, we have faith and trust in our employer that because we've turned up and work, worked and done our stuff, that on the day that our pay is due, that the pay will be in the bank. Um, regardless of whether we trust our employer or not, we, we hope and we have faith that that's what will happen. When we come to church on a Sunday morning or if you're at home, you are hoping and and putting your faith and trust in the people that are our production team to actually have something on the screen, Uh, whether it's the words up here um, or whether it's, you know, being able to be a part of the service. Um, When we go on a plane trip, which most of us haven't done in a long time, but when we do fly, it's amazing that the plane just stays up anyway, like I don't know how that happens, and I don't like to think about it, but we do put some kind of faith in the pilot that he knows where he's going, even though there's no like roads or laneways or signs, you know, like this just blue sky. So... um. These are things that inherently we just, yeah, that's, we hope to get to where we're going. (laughs) We hope to get paid. We hope not to have to learn all the words of the song, even though we sing it a hundred times. So this is how faith and hope and trust are connected. I mean, the very chair you're sitting on at the moment, you are trusting that that chair is going to hold you up for the rest of the service. Um, And you've got an awful lot of faith in those chairs. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. And verse 1, right off the bat, you know, this is a chapter of faith, but it's very much connected to hope and trust. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Um, And it very much confirms this relationship. And the essence is that our confidence is in God. It doesn't state it in that verse, but it is about 
who we're putting our faith and our hope and our trust in. So realistically, when we're talking about biblical hope, faith, hope is faith looking forward to what God has promised about the future and his trustworthiness to keep those promises. Let me read that again. Hope is faith looking forward to what God has promised about the future and his trustworthiness to keep those promises. Now, I've talked about many examples about the things that we put our faith and our hope and trust in. And all those examples had to do with us as human beings. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. You know, that's why there's accidents and falls and crashes and, you know, people don't get paid and all, you know, glitches. But the difference between us and God is that he is completely trustworthy. He doesn't make mistakes. He never fails. I mean, the Bible says that. He is perfect and his character is flawless. He cannot fail. He just will not. And it's interesting though, um, uh, in Psalm 146, sorry, I'm just a bit up, yeah. In Psalm uh, 146, it says, and we'll get a chance this over the next week when we uh, do our prayer and fasting to meditate over this psalm. But look at verse 3. It's very explicit in saying, don't put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On the very day their plans, on that very day their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is in God, in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Why? Because he is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. There's no mention of anybody else doing anything. It's the Lord. It's the God. But then we come back to verse 11, um, chapter 11 of Hebrews and verse 6. Here is the key thing that we must say from the, from the outset. Verse 6. Um, talks about, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The key words there is that we must believe that he exists. For us to hope in God, for us to trust and put our faith in him, we have to start with the premise that he exists. And that what he says in his word is true. If we're doubtful about that, then we're not going to have the kind of hope that we're going to look at from the Bible today. You know, um, often people say that the human spirit is really strong and it's resilient. And I think there is some truth to that. But the question is, where does that come from? Where does that resilience come from? Where does that willingness to survive and to fight, where does it come from? And you might say, well, you know, it's, it's in us, it's inherent. Well, if it is, well, it's only valid and helpful for this life. 
But what happens after this life? So if you're into thinking about the long term and you want to play the long game, then we need to come back to the fact that we need to have biblical hope, the kind of hope that God gives. All right. So hope requires patience, endurance, and waiting. Let's just go back to Christmas. Now, if you're young and if you, or if you're not so young and you still look, up, look forward to Christmas, you've got to wait a whole year before Christmas comes back. You've got to wait till you get your presents. You've got to wait for your birthday. You've got to wait for presents for your birthday. You've got to wait for anything. Anything worth waiting for requires patience and endurance. And hope is the same. You know, when you look at the Bible, it's full of stories and full of um, examples of waiting. You know, from the beginning, people were waiting for the Messiah. In Isaiah um, chapter 9, you know, it talks about just waiting for the fulfillment of the promise of the Messiah that was going to come and liberate his people from their bondage of slavery. You know, even... Before then, Moses, you know, the Israel was waiting for like some 400-something years to be liberated from their slavery in Egypt. But we know that God fulfilled this promise in Jesus Christ, like Valerie so wonderfully reminded us this morning. Jesus came, when we look at Luke 2, um, verse 10 to 12, and verse 25 to 32, we saw that beautifully enacted over Christmas with Simeon and his prayer and, and Anna and just... They've seen Jesus and they say, here is the salvation and the hope of Israel. He's here. And Jesus does what he came to do. Um, and he, he died on the cross. He rose from the grave. And we are free, like Valerie was saying. We are able to walk in freedom, in liberty. There's no condemnation. But in the second half of the New Testament, Again, we're all encouraged, and this is the place that we're at at the moment. We're still waiting. We are still patiently enduring, this time for the second coming of Jesus. He's not going to come back as a baby. He's going to come as our warrior, our king, with a two-edged sword, on a white horse, with a tattoo on his thigh, you know, with a sword coming out of his mouth, with fire blazing in his eyes. All of those things, he's just going to come. And he's going to come in a very different way. And that's what we're we're waiting for. Romans says creation even is eagerly waiting. And we're all waiting for this return of Jesus. And the reason he's coming back is to take us to a place where we can have the kind of life that God always intended for us to have. And this is very clear in Revelations chapter 21, verse 1 to 5, where it talks about there's not going to be night. There's not going to be any crying. There's not going to be pain. We sang about it. There's not going to be sadness. There's not even, and you know, someone kind of made me think about this, but I'm excited there's not going to be cockroaches. I'm believing there's not going to be cockroaches. I mean, there's not going to be moths and rust. So if there's not going to be moths, then there can't be cockroaches. But there's no dusting, you know, like there's so many things we can look forward to. (laughs) Just the little things. But then there's big things, you know, there's healing for the nations and there's no wars and there's no famines and, you know, world peace will finally come. 
What has all this got to do with anything? Well, really, it's about having hope for that day. That's what we're waiting for. Um, And so in the book that we've been looking at so far by Graham Bainan, um, he talks about God as our source of hope. And my prayer is that this morning, Holy Spirit will really stir us up and really remind us and speak to us that we are called to live a life to walk by faith and not by sight. And to do that, we need hope. We need the source of hope to be our hope. So let's look at hope in our present for the here and now. If we go to Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2 says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. This is very much hope language. You know, when you're in the middle of a storm, you want this kind of things to put your feet on and shelter. And then verse 5 down to uh, verse 8. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. I mean, what more can we ask for? In these times that we live in at the moment, that's what we need. We need this kind of rescue. We need this kind of shelter. We need this kind of enveloping and, and gathering in by our God. Um, and when, our, when, we, when we really know God as our hope, our souls can truly rest in him, in every situation. And this is where it's important for us not to keep looking at the outcome. Because whenever you look at the outcome or you're worrying about the outcome, then your eyes are not on the source of hope. And remember our definition? We're looking at our faith and our trust and our hope is in the person that controls the outcome, not the outcome. And so... In our source of hope, we have three in one, right? We have God, the Father. We have Jesus, the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. And they are all together our source of hope. We're putting our trust in someone that's all-powerful, that's everywhere, all at the once, and is able to do everything and anything, and he's, he is able to do, like scripture says, more than what we could ask or imagine. And so what situation is there in life that is beyond him? You probably thought of a few already. But is it really beyond him? Whether life is good, bad, indifferent, difficult, joyful, boring, 
wearisome, whatever other words you might want to describe your life at the moment or even your life last week and maybe what it might look like next week. Having God as our source of hope helps us to keep going. We can endure hardship, we can endure old age and pain as you get older, illness and suffering, because we know again that our future is beyond the here and now, right? When we can look forward to something better, then we can keep going because we are hopeful. We are hopeful when it's raining that the sun will come out at some point. We are hopeful when we're going through a tunnel that we will get to the other side of the tunnel at some point. But all the time, our hope is in God, not in us and not in what we're doing. Often, no, sometimes we have a choice about our circumstances. Sometimes we don't. And this is where we need to remember that our source of hope has to be a constant, right? Because when we have the choice, we can make wise decisions, we can avoid, but when we don't have a choice, we need to have someone that is outside of the circumstance that we know we can have confidence in. And coming back to our presence, that's about our situations and about our circumstances. But in our present life, we talked about condemnation. We talked about the ability to live lives that are, um, that are pleasing to God. Well, one of the ways that God enables us to have hope in him is that he grows us in holiness. And only he can do that. You know, he's, he very clearly says... In the Bible, be holy like I'm holy. And yet, in the Bible, in Romans, it also says that we can't be holy. We just can't. Not in ourselves. We just can't. But God makes us holy through Jesus Christ. And so, for us to grow in holiness, we need the source, who is God, to help us. And The thing that we have to do here is die to ourselves, to yield ourselves. When we put our hope in ourselves, then we're not yielding to to God. When we put our hope in ourselves, we're not dying to ourselves. I, I mean, it's very simple, but sometimes we need to say it out aloud to kind of think about, well... Yeah, that makes sense. And this is something that I speak from personal experiences, is that because I call myself a realist, I have contingencies for all kinds of situations and circumstances. But there are times when we just have to let go of those contingencies. We have to let it go. And we have to yield those contingencies to God. 
Why is it important for us to grow in holiness so that we can experience God's hope in our present? Because if we don't let go of ourselves and yield ourselves, we will not ever surrender to what God wants to do in our lives. Because we're always going to find a way to find a shortcut to where we want to get to. And God is not a God of shortcuts. (laughs) He's just not. Again, remember, we're putting our trust in the person that is in control of the outcome. And it's really interesting because someone shared with me this morning about letting go of assumptions. You know, you can want insight. You can want to know. You say, God, show me your will. God, help me grow. God, help me do this. But we have an idea of how that's going to happen. But God will never work really with our ideas. He's going to work with his ideas because his ways are higher. And the only way we're going to know about his ideas and his ways is when we let go and we allow him to grow us the way he wants us to grow. That is how we can have hope for our present, right? Okay, hope for our future. Let's go to Colossians 1.27. To them, that is to the church, that is us, God has chosen to make known among Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this is the other reason why we need to allow God to help us to grow in holiness, right? Christ can't grow in us and reveal his glory through us if we keep holding on to what we want to do and we keep resisting him and fighting him. From Genesis to Revelation, God's goodness and mercy is at work to restore relationship between us and him. To bring us back into reconciliation with him so that God can bring about a world that he always intended to have. And a relationship with his created beings that he wanted to have. So Christ in us. There's two parts to this scripture, and it's the gospel. I think Andrew did a great job last week talking about the diamond of the gospel, the different facets of the gospel, and the fact that the gospel is relevant to us every day, every day, in every circumstance. And so this this is like a two-part fulfillment of the gospel message. Christ in us, Christ in me, Christ in you, now... And the hope of glory, which is future. We need both. We need Christ to be working in us now, in our circumstances, refining us, making us more like him. But we also need that hope so that we can keep looking forward to the future. So Hebrews chapter 6. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. 
Let's read a little bit. So from verse 10 to 12. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown to him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not, uh, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Again, what is this hope that we're talking about? It's finally being with God. It's being reconciled to God. It's being able to reflect him and to be like him and to live the way that he intended for us to live. Right? And so it says, don't get lazy. I mean, don't get lazy. But keep going. Keep going. Keep allowing Holy Spirit to work in us. To keep renewing that hope so that it can be fully realized in glory. And then let's go down to verse 19 and 20 of the same chapter of Hebrews, chapter 6. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Do you know what? I've realized in these last two years that we have lost our anchor at different times. The seas have been rough, And some of us have drifted because perhaps we have not used the right anchor. We're we're anchored, but if it's not Jesus and the hope of Jesus and what he has done, because that's what it says as we keep going, um, that this is the hope that that is going to be the anchor for our soul. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Again, it's about what Jesus has done. He's gone ahead of us so that he can anchor us and and lead us through the storm. Back to the Father. And so that is the anchor that's going to hold us secure so that we can keep our eyes on the future. And then if we go to Romans uh, chapter 5, this is a bit of a big chunk, but it's good for us to read and see what God has to say. Verse 1 to 11 of chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, which is what we just read about. Jesus has gone behind the curtain and he's made peace between God and us through through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, endurance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. You don't just get hope. You have to look to the source of hope, but you have to allow the source of hope to do his work in your life so that he can grow hope in you. And you know what? Like growing something, uh, no, that's not the word. Um, 
It's coming back to this idea of shortcuts, right? Like if you take a shortcut, it's just not going to work as long. But if you do the hard yards, then it's there. It's solid. It's, it's for long term. So perseverance produces character, character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Just, as, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? Through him. That's through Jesus. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life? Not only this, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So the whole point of this is that we don't again boast in what we can do, in what we have done. This is particularly true for those of us that have been Christians a long time, right? I was reading something this week that kind of said, you know, made a comparison of the children of Israel in Joshua where they, you know, at the end of Joshua's life, Joshua says, you know, make sure that you don't forget the Lord. Make sure you serve God. These stones are going to be a witness against you. You know, don't forget what he's done. And all of Israel is saying, yeah, yeah, we will. But only just like the last three books, they've not done what they're saying they're going to do. And Joshua, like I love it, when I read it again, I'm like, Joshua's like, yeah, you're not going to do what you say you're doing. Because he's been through it. And this, this devotion kind of said to me, Why, what were you feeling when you were reading that passage about the children of Israel? And I'm like, oh, those children of Israel, they never got it. And then I just had this Holy Spirit moment where he said, well, what about you? And that's the point. That is exactly the point. We can easily forget. And we can be boastful in what we are good at doing and forget that it is actually the work of God in us. Jesus in us. Holy Spirit in us. So... We're talking about these New Year's attitudes, right? Like we've been talking about the fear of the Lord, joy, hope. We'll talk more about peace and other things. But it's easy to think, oh, yeah, I got that, Pat. I got that. I got that. Do we? Do we really? And we don't want to boast. We want to come back to God as the source of hope and the source of the person, the person that can actually change the attitudes of our heart. When we have God as our source of hope for our future, we're not too concerned about death. Okay, we might be worried about how we're going to die, but 
we're not concerned about what's going to happen afterwards because we know where we're going. We know what the end will be. And we know, particularly some of us in in this family and beyond, we've lost family members in the last two years. And the grieving process has been very difficult. But it's temporary because we know we'll see them again. We know that they're not gone forever. And having hope in our future... This is an odd thing to say, but often when, we, when things are not going well, we're scrambling for hope, right? We're looking for good news when things are not good. But when things are going well, we're not really thinking about hope. Because why did I say hope when I said at the beginning? When, it's when we're looking forward to something, right? So when things are going well we, is the worst time, is the most dangerous time for us to lose hope in God and to actually become more hopeful in ourselves and what we do. So let's be cautious. Let's not be tempted to remember that God is our source of hope in every season, in the present, in the future, in every season. Putting our hope in God's ability, I think there's a quote for that, Putting our hope in God's ability to keep his promises leads us to joy, peace, boldness, courage, faith, love, and comfort. Which makes hope a very key attitude that we need to work on. I'm not saying it's the most important, but I think it is connected to everything else. Right? If you don't have hope, you don't really feel joyful or you don't look for joy. If you're not hopeful, you're not looking for the silver lining. If, if you're not hopeful in God, then you don't have peace because you don't know how things are going to work out and you're always worried about the outcome. If, you don't, if, you don't, if your ho- source of hope is not God, then you don't know how to love the way he loves. Because we've just read about how he's loved us. And given us hope. And because he's loved us and given us hope, we can love others in a hopeful way and believe in God's best for them. So let's just pause for a few minutes here. And I want to say this, I I want to say let's wait for Holy Spirit to show us a few things from the things that we've just looked at so far. And you might be wondering, well, how how am I going to see what Holy Spirit is going to show me? I mean, how do I even hear what Holy Spirit is saying? If you can just recenter your thoughts again, it's like when you walk into a room and you turn the light on. That's what Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit often, that's how he speaks. He turns the light on into our hearts, into our souls, into the circumstance so that we can see more clearly. So let's just take a few moments and let's allow Holy Spirit to turn the light on in our hearts and into our very beings. 
He's gentle, but he's always true. Who are you putting your hope in today? Who have you been putting your hope in? What have you been putting your hope in? Does your anchor look like Jesus? When you are hopeful, does it always come from a place of what God has said and what God's word is saying? I encourage you, keep coming back to a place where Holy Spirit can turn the light on for you. I just want to finish with three things. Three practical things that we can, if we are willing, allow Holy Spirit to do so that we can keep cultivating hope. Godly hope in our hearts. So Psalm 130, verse 5 and 6, it says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. Just in case we didn't get it for the first time. Again, more than watchmen wait for the morning. So it's about the waiting. And in this waiting, it's allowing Holy Spirit to direct our hearts to hope. Because we can't direct ourselves. We can, but it's short-lived. But when we allow Holy Spirit to direct our hearts, it's more permanent. And... Can I say, if you don't know Jesus as your hope and if you really haven't put your trust in Jesus or you're just saying, well, I don't really know about trusting God. Well, Jesus says that he is the only way, the truth and the life to come to God. You, you can't come to God any other way. And so that's where we need to start. We need to start by acknowledging that, God, I need you and I need to put my hope and my trust in you. And Holy Spirit will lead us to that place of surrender. 
The second thing that we need to do is that we must reflect on God's promises. Again, God's promises. We can hold on to what God has promised because we trust him. Again, this is a beautiful passage in Revelations that I just want to read because it's just wonderful. Um, Often when you come to Revelations in the end times, there's so much uncertainty because there's so many different theories. But you know what? Let's not get bogged down about the details and the order of events and you know, who's left behind and who goes and who's numbered and who's not. They're not our problem. Really, this passage of scripture tells us all the certain things that are going to happen. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? (laughs) I answered, Sir, you know. Trick question. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Again, that sense of hope. It's because of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There's there's no wishy-washiness about those details. That's just how it's going to be. And if you're ever needing comfort and solace about what your future in Christ is going to look like in heaven, that's where you need to go and read. And lastly, we must pray for hope. Because again, we, we can, we, whatever we can do will only last just a little bit. But we can pray for hope and we must ask God for help. Um, John and Jesus promised help. So if we go to John 14, Jesus says, John 14, 15 to 18, he says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father that he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, sorry, that's verse 18. And then further on in verse 26 and 27, it says, Peace, uh, no, sorry. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit from the Father will, 
But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the hope that we can have in Jesus. So why don't we stand to our feet? And as part of our prayer, I want us to read a scripture when I'll just say a quick prayer and but as part of our prayer, I want us to confess with our mouths our need for the Lord to be with us and to provide the hope that we need. But also it can be a blessing that we pray over each one as we say it together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to read your word and to remind ourselves that you are our source of hope for our present, for our future, and for everything in between. And Lord, without you, we have no hope. And so we ask that you would help us. Lord, may your word continue to feed us And your Holy Spirit continue to lead us into the coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's read Romans 15 and verse 13 together as we go. And please join us if you're online as well. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is who we have in us. God bless you. God keep you. And thank you for joining. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.